We are going to talk about next steps. Now, real quick, as a bureaucrat of the Senate, I'm obligated to give you a slight commercial about LCMSU. It'll take all of about a minute and a half. Basically, if you're not aware of it, LCMSU is, it's a fake university. It doesn't exist. People have asked me, what kind of majors do you have? No, it's just, you go someplace, you want to find out the LCMSU chapter. So say you go to St. Cloud State University in Minnesota. Do they have an LCMSU chapter? Yes, it's at this place or it's at that place. So it's basically the identifier of those at the university level. Not really at our Concordia's, they kind of have their own thing, although they're involved too, but we're thinking more about state university, community colleges, places like that. We have conferences, just like you have the youth gathering, we have conferences, not nearly as big, but we gather every two years. The last one uh, was in Indiana. We, just, we walked through the Synod's uh, witnessing program called Everyone is Witness, Opportunities for Worship. We have a podcast and some other resources. This is the Student Union. Um, the biggest thing is to make sure all campus ministry is local, and if you forget everything I ever say to you today, just remember, you want to find out where to go to church, where to get connected to a campus ministry when you go to college, all right? Very key. Nothing else really matters to me. I decided to become a campus pastor 20 years ago because I heard a statistic that scared me to death that 90% of all Lutheran youth are no longer in the church by the age of 25. Just imagine being there last night at the mass event, 90% of everybody there is no longer really going to church. That's just not acceptable. So those of us that labor in campus ministry, churches that are out there that are these chapters, these are people that care about you, okay? It's not acceptable. We want you to all remain in the faith. Anything less than 100% remaining in the faith isn't good enough for me. So just keep that in mind. Make sure you get connected. Think through where you're going to school and think through what the church and campus ministry is going to be like. In general, <clears throat> I'll skip that. You don't care about that. Bottom line, college is tough. Okay, now you make me feel guilty. I got to go through it. Our motto, catechizing and caring for our own apologetics in the academic square, reaching out to those who are lost, engaging in dying culture with Christ. Get it? Care. I was stuck at car for like two years. Um, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. That's why we're there. So next steps. This is a picture of what? That is the moon. Has anybody ever been to the moon? There's always two of you. Okay. If you were going to the moon, you're going to a completely different environment, totally different atmosphere. It's unlike anything you've ever gone to or experienced before. And I want to submit to you, that's a little bit like going to college. If you were going to go to the moon, you would have to go through years of training, simulations, physical training. You'd have to study like crazy for years and years and years because you need to be ready and able when you jump onto that surface to say, hey, I was expecting what I'm seeing here. I'm ready for this. Most of you are not prepared to go to college. Doesn't matter how old you are. Even those that go to college, it's really, really tough. We're not just saying college is tough. It is tough. It is tough. So what are you going to face when you go to college? There's all sorts of pitfalls and red flags that come up when you go to college. 
First of all is a teaching called pluralism. I'm going to go through this really quick. Pluralism is the idea that there are many. Being a Lutheran, you tend to believe things that are fairly black and white. You've all seen the coexist bumper stickers. The idea that there are many gods. Who are you to pick one over the other? There's many. Choice is one of the supreme virtues on a college campus. The idea that, that there's many but not one. And so it's a very pluralistic environment. So somebody comes along and says, well, yeah, but this is the only, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. No one goes to the Father but through him. Well, that's not going to cut it on a college campus because there needs to be many paths, many ways, or else you're being intolerant. Is that a muskrat? What is that? What did you impale on that stick? Okay, all right, sorry. So you're going to have a pluralistic environment, postmodernity. Some of you have heard it's a big term. It means the questioning. I'm going to upload this to, the, I think that, can't you upload these things to the apps? Like the PDF, a PDF or whatever? Yeah, I'm just going to do it at the end of the week so everybody comes to the other sectionals. But postmodernism is the idea of of the, an era following that of truth. We are in a postmodern era where truth is questioned. Pilate's question of Jesus, well, what is truth? College campuses used to place that pursued truth in general. Now they're not. Now they're places where you can create your own truth and you're encouraged to create your own truth. And they ask the question, what does this mean to me? Or what do I want this to mean? Rather than worrying about, well, what does it actually mean? And it's very confusing. Very confusing, more on that in a moment. But it's a very postmodern climate. The ethic of emotivism, and you see the word emotion in there. You show up at a college campus, nobody debates anything based on facts anymore, very seldom. We aren't concerned about facts, and we aren't concerned about reasoned arguments, and winning an argument. We sit there and we debate based on who can yell and emote and show more passion than the other person for their belief. This is why we see colleges that seem, a lot of the things that take place on a college with the protests that are just seem nuts. Because people aren't actually talking about ideas. You should be able to talk about ideas with anybody and be reasonable. But no, today what's happened, because we're in an era where truth is now seen as being suspect, we don't accept things that have come before. We don't accept black and white. What happens is now it's about how you made me feel because of what you said, even if you said it in the nicest way. It's all about how it, the emotional impact I have, it has on me and how I can impress it upon you. Privatization of virtues, social morals, social mores and accepted ways of going about things are no longer seen as valid as far as a communal setting. There's nothing outside of you. It's only, nobody can tell you what, virtu, what is virtuous except you for you. If you think it's okay to burn a flag, then go for it. That's virtuous to you, but you can't force your virtue on someone else. And you can apply that to almost anything on a college campus. Um, so there's this privatization of virtues. Instead of this idea 
that what makes a virtuous person, there's certain traits that are outside of all of us that we aspire to. Now, you have no business telling anybody what may or may not be virtuous to them individually. It's a real problem. Truth is subjective. I always like to, exp to express this story. I did a uh, survey about 10 years ago of about 100 campus ministry workers, and I asked them, look at all of your college students that come to anything. You know, the ones that, if you, know, if you say, hey, we're going to meet for Bible class at 3 in the morning, they're there at 2.45. Um, and how many of them are in the hard sciences? And by hard sciences, what's a hard science? Anybody know? Physics, biology, engineering, mathematics, stuff I would personally fail. Soft sciences are more, that's more my thing. That was more theater, music, although music could be considered a hard science in some regard. History, philosophy, religious studies, English, stuff like that. And I asked them, I said, how many of those people that are most involved are in the hard sciences and the soft sciences? And since we only have 40 minutes total, I'll just tell you the answer. 93% were in the hard sciences. I'm absolutely convinced over half of our LCMS college students are engineering students. But I want you to ponder this. In a world where truth is subjective, if you wanted to be a civil engineer and you want to build a bridge, guess what? Two plus two has to equal four, or you're fired and maybe put in jail. Because that bridge is coming down if you think two plus two is 13. But over in the soft sciences... You can manipulate history. You can manipulate the, 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 the things that have taken place in the past, as we see a lot in terms of history. History is completely abused now. We rewrite it completely so that you can't even recognize it. Over here, this is where our kids, are, our young people are getting screwed up more than in the sciences where things have to remain fairly objective. Doesn't mean you can't survive over here. Just saying you need to be aware of it. So truth is subjective. Hostile professors, guarantee you'll have a hostile professor. Guarantee, I, I have so many stories, I won't, even, I won't even go there. A culture of me, we are in an era, of course, that is completely filled with narcissism. It's all about me. And it can only be about you if everything is about you. you. get to decide what's virtuous for you. You get to decide what truth is for you. It's all about you. There's no collective thing out here that you're reaching towards. It's all about you. So while you want to think, hey, this is a chance for me. I believe I can fly. I believe I, whatever. You... You're going to go to the moon. You're going to dream big things. You're going to explore. You're going to do all, it's going to be, and it is a, don't get me wrong. Your college years are a wonderful time in your life. Absolutely wonderful. But it isn't exactly a clean surface where you get to go explore. And when you get there, things aren't mapped out the way I just had them nice and orderly. It looks a little bit like this. So here you are down here getting ready to take your next steps, and you're trying to navigate through this. A completely different atmosphere. You've never been there before. All these things rushing at you, and you don't know what hit you. So, which way do you go? These are actually lunar footsteps from the moon, and they're going in all sorts of different directions. So here is, and no, this is, 
This is no uh, for certain order. Think of this as like Uncle Marcus's 20 tips to help you survive um, and flourish while you're in college. And again, I'll upload this to the app. Uh, you don't need to completely pay attention to all of this. Job number one, you'll hear people tell you, in fact, I used to say it myself, that your job is to be a student. That's number one. I repent of that. Job number one is to remain in the faith. What good does it do for a man to gain the whole world if he profits his soul? I myself have six nephews and nieces, all of whom went to Ivy League schools. All six no longer believe. All were confirmed Lutherans. Now, that doesn't mean you can't survive as a Christian and go to an Ivy League school. But what I'm saying is they didn't have the structure there to really help them to navigate the surface of the moon that they were going to be experiencing. My one other niece, the seventh one, seven nephew or niece, had a child out of wedlock, made a bunch of bad mistakes, ended up not going to college at all. Now she's piecing it together at age 28, going through nursing school, married, has a wonderful family life, is a tremendous mother, and is very faithful in church. So, who, who knows? It's tough. College is tough. But your job, number one job, is to keep your faith. And I'll go so far as to say, and I don't want to discourage anybody from going to college. Again, I want to preface this. It's a wonderful time. But I'd rather you not go to college if I knew that you were going to lose your faith. I'd rather not you do anything that would harm your faith. Now, the converse is also true. If you go, and I'm not talking about Concordias here. Many of you, and I hope you do consider going to one of our Concordias. But if you don't, and you go to a local state U, and I'm going to make this incredibly clear, the church or campus ministry where you go to is paramount. You will need it more than ever before. In fact, you may not even realize how important it is in your life until it's really easy to show up like last night when there's like 23,000 of us or whatever, and you're like, wow, look at all these people that share my faith. Well, what happens when you walk on campus and nobody shares your faith? It's a different thing. So why not choose a school where you know you're going to be fed and nourished um, as you need to be while you're away from home? It's really, really key. Really key. Job number one is to remain in the faith. So if that's true, I would encourage you to make the number one factor in choosing a college where you're going to go to church on Sunday. For most people, I'd say 99% of them make it the last thing. We talk about what we want to major in, what kind of fun activities they have, how far away is it from home. Why not let the first thing be, you know what, where am I going to go to church? What's the campus ministry like? You go visit the school, you visit all sorts of other things at the school. You get a tour of the uh, meat lab or whatever. Why not get a tour of the campus ministry and go there on Sunday morning too and check that out? This is important stuff. I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. Start the decision-making process early. Visit the churches and campus ministries where you might go to school. I would say that if you're a late sophomore, it's not too early to start thinking about it. Not because you have to make that decision. You don't have to make that decision for another year and a half. But then you have time to go, hey, you know what? Maybe, you know, hey, we were going to go to a football game or whatever. Why don't we stop by the campus ministry? You've got more time to just leisurely show up and get familiar with the campus ministry somewhere. Rather than cramming in at the end. 
You go to school, show up to a new church, and you're like, oh my gosh, this isn't like at home. Well, guess what? It'll take time. Let me give you an example. This is what I would tell my students when I used to be a campus pastor. First time you showed up, first day of college, you felt totally out of it when you showed up to your first professor's class and you didn't know who they were, didn't have a syllabus, didn't know what was gonna be expected of you and how'd you feel after the third or fourth time? Well, I felt a lot better because then I found out some more. Well, it's the same thing in terms of church. Trust me, you the whole, your whole life you have always gone, maybe most of you have always gone to the same church. You've always been there with mom and dad. Now you're gonna show up and all of a sudden, well, that pastor's, that pastor's uh, taller, that pastor's fatter, he's wearing this, he's wearing that, he's got hair, he's got no hair, he's got, the, you know, we use this service, they use this service, they do, you I mean, all these different things. It's okay. Take time just like you wouldn't leave class. Give it a little time. Give it a little time. It takes time to get adjusted, and that's all right. It is okay to ask this question, should I even go to college? The number one question that I get from college students and parents alike is how do I talk to my son or daughter about whether or not, they're, they're discussing whether or not they even wanna go to college. When I, I'm 52, I just went to college because that's what you did. You go to college, that's what you do. I actually think it's rather healthy to ask the question, why do I wanna go to college? Now you may still go, you probably will but I think you should at least ask the question. And many young people are doing, and it's, it's, it's almost tripling by the year, the, number, the statistics and number of young people that are actually deciding to maybe even not go to college. Maybe they'll go into the military. Maybe they'll decide to work. Um, maybe they want to go slower, and instead of having the normal college experience, they're gonna work their way through because they just don't want the debt. Your generation is much more practical. My generation was like, student loans, oh, cool. And then we get hit with it until we're 40 years old. People are getting much more practical about it. It's okay to ask this question, and it is a thing. And you don't need to feel bad, because you know what? Your identity isn't tied to whether or not you go to college. And job number one is to retain your faith anyways. College is a means to an end. It can be a very fruitful and important means, and you should consider it. But it doesn't mean you have to go because you have really no idea why you're doing it. I would never tell you, ladies, you should date this guy even though you don't know who he is and why you wanna go out with him. I would never do that. Well, it's a big thing to go to college if you really have no understanding why, but if you do go, it's good to take kind of a smattering of things to kind of take some basics right away. But it's okay to ask this question. A lot of young people do. It's okay. Relationships matter, choose your friends wisely. I don't like quoting statistics unless they agree with what I already thought, which is how everybody uses them. But the bottom line is that 90% of the people you will hang out with in college, you will probably meet in your first six weeks on campus. So, you wanna show up in college and go right into the party scene? You're gonna make some friends that might get you in trouble. Choose your friends wisely. Don't overcommit and be a joiner of everything. I have seen this all the time and all of our campus pastors see this all the time. Oh, I wanna do that, I wanna do this, I wanna join that club, I wanna... Next thing you know, we have young people that are so overcommitted they don't even have time to study. 
you're going to college, it takes time to even figure out where everything is. Don't overcommit and burden yourself. Anything worth doing is still gonna be there a couple months down the line. And this, of course, is the biggie in this category because they want to rush you to get you in the Greek system. I personally believe, and I'm just gonna say it, some of you won't like it, I think the Greek system is frankly one of the biggest detriments to people's faith when they go to college. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, there's a lot of licentious behavior, and yeah, they do a lot of good things in the community, but not all, but many of them have very, very strict religious rituals. Um, we used to get asked routinely if the, one of the, the Greek frats could use our sanctuary on a Friday night at midnight for their rituals. And I would be like, well, can't you guys go out in a cave somewhere and prick each other's fingers like Huck and Tom? Well, no, we want to impress it upon them that this is very, very important. Oh, okay, so if I let you do this, can I, can I come? I had this guy call me up. He was the chaplain for the Greek, whatever fraternity was. They had a chaplain. So he was in charge of enforcing the rituals. And so I played around with him. I knew what the answer was going to be. But I said, so, so what time should I be there if I let you do this? Oh, well, you couldn't come. Oh, okay. Well, can I have one of my students, a couple of my 20-year-old uh, 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 student deacons, can they come? Oh, no, well, they can't come either unless they're wanting to pledge the, you know, our fraternity. I'm like, well, can I at least see what you're going to go through before you use our facility? Oh, no, no, it's a secret. And eventually the guy would go, I said, do you, understand why I'm asked, do you understand why I'm asking these questions? And he's like, yeah, it seems kind of silly, doesn't it? I'm like, he goes, it's all right. I could ask the Methodist pastor. <laughs> but the point was, I wasn't going to let him use my sanctuary to just do whatever they wanted. But this is not abnormal. Every two years, another guy that was naive would come around and he'd ask me the same stuff on behalf of the same thing. And usually what I would do is I'd use it as a witnessing opportunity. I'd say, look, I know you're just trying to do your job. Tell you what, I'm not going to say no to you if you all let me come by and spend half an hour with you and your fraternity brothers to tell you about what concerns I might have. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> but this, this is not abnormal. This is not abnormal. Be careful. And here's the rule of thumb. If you're thinking about this, I probably need to write a book on this. The bottom line is, many of these rituals are of a secretive nature in which you are asked to join the name of God, your real present God, to something that they will not allow you to see before you show up and swear to it. I don't have time to get into it, but I could give you plenty of scriptures that would demonstrate that God does not take the use or misuse of his name in a flippant way very lightly. You really can't join anything if that's how you view pulling God's name onto it without sinning. You, you can't do it without sinning. So here's my encouragement. I'm not saying no, and again, not all of them do this. Some of the local ones are a little bit more flippant with it than others. But what you want to do is say, hey, can I see the ritual? No. Okay, stay away. Think about joining the Lutheran Church. Those of you that have gone, how many of you have gone through confirmation? Nearly everybody? 
What if you came to, to my church and I'm the pastor and you're like, hey, I'd like to go through confirmation or whatever. And I say, hey, I want you to come up here, stand here and swear to suffer all even death rather than fall away from the, rather than fall away from the faith. And you're like, well, what is it that you believe? Well, that's a secret. We can't tell you until you do that. You'd be like, what? That's ridiculous. Going out on a date. Guy says to you, ladies, hey, you, hey, you want to go on a date? Sure. Where are we going to go? I don't know. What time are you going to pick me up? I don't know. Uh, when are we going to be back? I really don't know. You're going to be like, hey, I don't think I'm ready to go out on this date. I need more information. So be careful. Be careful. Develop the joy of learning for learning's sake. Not all education is tied up in what you are going to do in terms of getting grades. We have become so institutionalized that we think of the credentials, the degree, rather than the knowledge that we're gaining. Many of you probably have great grandmas and grandpas. I did grandparents or parents, I'm old, that would sit around at home at night and read. That's how they learned. They didn't have degrees or maybe a lot of degrees, but they never stopped learning and growing. Be that kind of a person. Develop the joy of learning for learning's sake, not the type of person that says, well, once I got the degree, then it, nothing mattered to me anymore. Learn for learning's sake. I think it's key. Commit to developing your devotional life and make it stick. It's beautiful to walk around and see a lot of you in the morning doing devotions. Um, I told a lot of the adults in the adult session, if I had one wish for all of you, it's that you could almost get rid of all of your other Bible studies and just model the devotional life for four years and it'd be a tremendous blessing for your young people when they go off to college. Because you might go someplace where you were all alone and you're gonna need to know that you don't have to have other people around to continue to learn and read God's word. So, devotion life, very key. We talk about it, maybe while you, you do it while you're here. It's not just for the youth gathering or important things or when you're going up to the mountains. It's important for everyday life, especially when you show up to college. Read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis before you go to college. Has anybody read this? I encourage everybody to read it before they go to college and after they go to college because a lot of college will make a lot more sense when you do in terms of what's at stake. Dare to think. Don't give in to group think, but God think. One of the greatest dangers on a college campus is everybody is herded together and expected to just kind of toe the party line. They're there to convince you of the truth. You're not there to submit to them saying, trust me blindly. Dare to think, be critical, For, force them, <laughs> force them to make their case. Dare to think. 